not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. But did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Terror, horror, death. Film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, Brain Trust. Hello from the edge. Hello from end times. This is the last week on Earth. Possibly for real? We don't know. Hello from the apocalypse. Good to be with you. Obviously, I'm being stupid because we're fine. This is unprecedented, uncharted, as we discussed last week. Nobody knows exactly what to do or how to handle this. But at least we get to chill at home. As a meme I reposted this week said, Our grandparents were called to fight in war. We are being called to sit on our couch and not touch anybody. We got this. So we got this. We're going to be okay. Everything is fine. I've been going on walks with my lady and my dog because all three of us need it for once. I mean, moderate to mild activity is not bad for humans in general, but something I undervalued before being quarantined. And three days ago, there was a beautiful, hopeful message on our neighbor's driveway written in colorful chalk by their young children, these two young girls, wrote, we got this, and then love, and all these great colors. And the very next day, that message had quickly devolved to stay away. What did it say? It said stay away? Stay home, it said. (laughs) So those young ladies probably four and six years old, gave up their hope quick. Um, I haven't yet. I might have coronavirus as a separate note. Don't worry about me. If I do, it's a very mild case. We don't know if I do or don't, but I do know that I've been sick for a week or two. I got a lot of the symptoms of it, some sore throat, some body aches, some fatigue, all those not too bad, and I wasn't too concerned that I had it because I don't have a fever and it's a major one. But my parents then tell me that one of the things that now is a major indicator of coronavirus is you lose your sense of smell, and I swear to you I have lost my sense of smell entirely, 100%. I noticed this when I was in the shower, and I sprayed a eucalyptus spray in the shower that usually smells so strong like you're in a very expensive spa and couldn't smell a thing. Sprayed it again, couldn't smell a thing. Opened the bottle, sniffed right from the source, couldn't smell anything. While this has made cleaning up after my dog on these beautiful walks a lot more enjoyable, not being able to smell is very strange. I don't recommend it. It has luckily not affected my appetite, and I am still getting fatter every day. Although maybe my days of getting fatter are limited, Because my girlfriend's hoarding the candy. 
I did a market that was the size of three markets so that I could have candy for us both in the house. I've been going to bed really late because I'm working really late on these videos, this podcast, the editing, the social distancing, social club, which you can see every day at 5 o'clock Pacific 8 Eastern with me, Steve Bauer, Steve Hofstetter, and Chris Bowers and celebrity guests joining us, including today's guest, Ida Rodriguez, will be on Sunday with us and here with me today on this very podcast. And I'm waking up oftentimes later than my girlfriend is, and she's sitting there in a post-candy stupor, wrappers everywhere. I'd gotten a large box of Sour Patch Kids, which is her favorite, to find six Sour Patch little babies in there. There was probably a box of 200. Not a bite. I got somewhat natural red vines with sugar, but natural sugar. Gone. My girlfriend says to me, don't worry, there's a couple of bites of chocolate left in the second of the two chocolate bars I purchased. She's right now laughing at me while mixing the video of this podcast, and I'm taking this dead serious. I'm going to have to start hiding candy around the house like it's Easter, which is approaching. She'll find it. She's up earlier than me, and she's also the one that's tidying the whole place. Otherwise, it would be a great mess. More than it already is. She's done a pretty good job in the last couple of days, but the theater is still, you know, we have, we have a screening room in the back, converted garage, don't think we fancy. But we have a projector back there, and there's now boxes everywhere, and she's flicking me off currently. It's the first time I've been given the finger during my own podcast. In nine years, a historical first. Now she has an angelic smile on her face, as though that's going to make a difference. But I'll tell you what, she was not getting her hands on any more sweets. She will not find the candy. Maybe I already have candy hidden. We don't know. Also, to let you know, more notes from the edge here. Um, she was kind enough to, to to serve us a lovely chicken dinner tonight. And it was the end of our chicken. I said, is this the last of our chicken? And she goes, yeah, the chicken's done now. So I love chicken. This is a big problem for me. But we got to deal with the realities we're dealt. And then I say to her, is there, are the bones still around? Are there any meat on the bones? I could, I, could, I could suck the meat off the bones. And she goes, yeah, there's some bones left. I didn't throw that away yet. I go, look, there's lots of meat on these bones. Okay? I'm going to be having chicken for three, four more days off of the remnants of these bones like I'm some kind of a uh, hungry vulture or a cheetah who's been wandering in the desert after a drought. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be exciting. Um not having a sense of smell is weird. Can't get a test. I'm not in a particularly vulnerable demographic, so I'm not to worry about that, but I called my doctor and they said, no, you can't get it unless you get severe shortness of breath or unless you become much older faster. And that's not that likely on account of the aging process has not been sped up by the coronavirus. Um, as much as we may want it to so the quarantine can end, it hasn't quite done that yet. And so... um I did, before the doctor called me back, run laps around my living room and through the kitchen so to see if I was short of breath. And at the end of that, I was a little bit short of breath, but I realized that was because I just don't ever run. And so that little amount of running was difficult for my body to handle, but I was not unusually short of breath for a man of my quickly decaying physical stature. And so I feel like I'm okay. I might have the coronavirus, but I got a mild one, and I can no longer smell things. I hope my girlfriend does not take this as permission to stop showering. Like I have stopped. I haven't stopped, but I'm going every other day sometimes. You shouldn't. I'm not going to even report to you what the look she just made on her face right now. It was not great. She might have mouthed the word ew. Most days, 
I'm fine. I'm showering just fine. And I think I smell great, says man without a nose. So we'll see how that shakes down. Please do, considering my income is completely stopped in the cold. Consider joining our Patreon. Unless you're completely out of money, then don't. Please keep enjoying the podcast for free, as we all have for nine years. But if you've been enjoying it for a long time and you have a little bit of disposable income, I did launch a Patreon to be able to get some income going in to my bank account so I don't end up uh, living in the streets in a cardboard box. It's patreon.com slash benglebe. Check that out. I packed a jam full of perks, benefits, extra content, bonus podcasts every month, Q&As, extra videos, private chats, even lunch with me, Glebe Squad membership cards, drawings from me, handwritten notes mailed to you, all kinds of cool stuff I hope you enjoy. So please, patreon.com slash benglebe. Sign up there if you would like to support the podcast and or want any of those things and or hate the podcast and don't want any of those things but have money burning holes on your pockets. Feel free to check that out. And um, we start as we always do with the big story of the week. And I know it's been everywhere, but we got to talk about it. Taylor Swift and Kanye West and Kim Kardashian reignite the epic battle Who lied about that lyric in his song Famous? It's been reignited because somebody during these trying times did what's right and finally released the unedited footage that Kim shot of Kanye asking permission for the lyric in that song that involves Taylor. Well, as was released originally, it has him saying, I feel like Taylor might owe me sex. And she's like, ah, that's not mean. That's fine. That's flattering, really. The lyric then changed. I feel like Kim and I, I mean, feel like Taylor and I might still have sex. But, 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 as Jeff Goldblum might say, didn't include in that the more offensive lyric, which was, I made that bitch famous. And a big brouhaha came up about even calling her a bitch, which is not cool in the first place in any sort of derogatory way. But what's more offensive to me is that he said he made her famous. What, by grabbing her award from her? And while he did elevate her to another level, she was winning the best artist of the year of that award at the MTV Awards. And he did elevate her status, but to take claim for all of her fame, a little ridiculous. But she claimed that she gave permission for none of the line, which she did. So she lied. He lied. Kim now responds. So then Taylor goes on her social media this week and says... While I know there's bigger things going on, and then proceeds to complain about herself in this thing, saying, quote, The video that was illegally recorded that somebody, italics, edited and manipulated in order to frame me and put me, my family, and fans through hell for the last four years. Your fans have been through hell? I don't know if you're trying to be framed. You're not Roger Rabbit, Taylor, okay? They just put out a video saying a thing. It's who cares? It's all insignificant. You're all practically billionaires. I don't know if your fans were put through hell over this. But then she said, let's focus on what's really important and a link to donating to help coronavirus relief, which is nice. But then Kim replied, saying that she was actually lying. and She's left without a choice to respond, even though she feels embarrassed about this. And the people are dealing with more important matters. But let me continue. No one takes the high horse. They all say, I should take the high horse. 
But let me correct the record over this bullshit. Saying, to be clear, the only issue I ever had around this situation was Taylor lied through her publicist who stated Kanye never called to ask for permission. They clearly spoke, so I let you all see that. Nobody ever denied the word bitch was used without her permission. Well, I feel like they did deny that. They're all lying back and forth. But who gives a fuck? We have bigger fish to fry. We have more important things. And at times like this, times of stress and times of danger, we have to ask ourselves, what would Jared Leto do? I don't know if you heard this. Last week we covered that he was in a silent retreat, came out and didn't know about the coronavirus. Now it's come out that he's a cult leader. You heard me damn straight. He started an actual cult where he invites his fans of his band 30 Seconds to Mars to join him on an isolated island where he proceeds to walk around like some kind of modern-day Jim Jones, wearing Jesus-like attire. Long flowing robes that we discussed last week is attire, and you can't imagine how much he spends on eyeliner. It's got to be bank breaking. Please donate to him if you can, so he could get better eyeliner bulk purchases. He wears flowing robes and sandals and long hair and walks around. Um, he even calls it a cult. His band calls it a cult. He even said, quote, Yes, this is a cult. Hashtag Mars Island on the band's Twitter page. People wear a band saying, I mean, or a wristband saying this is a cult. Many tweets saying, it's a cult. Yep, it's a cult. I love being in the echelon. They call it the echelon. And people join him on this island for several days at a time. It seems dangerous, scary, egomaniacal, and ridiculous, except on account of the globe, not on the Mars island, being infected with this transferable disease. I want in. I want to be an echeloner. I'd like to be, I'll brush his, his tile floors with a toothbrush, whatever I can do. If it's a corona-free island, count me in. Except that it costs starting at $1,000. I'm out now. Not including flights or travel, which is flights. People say flights or travel. Travel is just flights. Oh, and the Uber? You're spending 1000 bucks to go on Jared Leto's island. I don't think the $8 Uber is really breaking your bank at this point. But for $6,500, you can get the highest tier, including a Mars passport, an exclusive VIP experience with Jared Leto. These people think they're going to real Mars? You have to join Elon Musk's cult for that. And I thought people knew it. Okay, the real big story of the week. It's finally time. Hulk Hogan reached a settlement with Cox Radio. Ironic name of the radio company considering this story involves Hulk Hogan's Cox. He has multiple. He's a very large man. Ending a lawsuit in which the former wrestler accused a radio host of working for the company. A radio, radio host working for the company of leaking a sex tape to Gawker in 2012, which then went under. Spectrum News Tampa affiliate Bay News 9 reports the confidential settlement was filed with the court. It's finally done. It originally sought $110 million in damages and lists DJs Mike Calta and Matt Lloyd among the defendants. Well, I'm a regular on the Mike Calta show down in Florida. It's always Florida with the weird shit. Had to expose Hulk Hogan's sex tapes to us. Unnecessary. Mike Calta's show, also the one that blasted my ears with loud unnecessary train noises when a hidden speaker under my desk when I was there nearly deafened me. I could have sued them for deafening and I would never be able to hear the result of the lawsuit and they'd probably win by default. That's why I didn't go down that path. But finally, we don't have to hear about Hulk Hogan's 
sex life anymore, his sex tapes, or his multiple penises. So that's one positive. Deputies, deputies, deputies is the word as it's normally said in English before all words have lost their meaning, found 1,800 pounds, 18,000 pounds is the better way to say the number, 18,000 pounds of toilet paper in a stolen trailer tractor or a tractor trailer. A trailer tractor, what can you say it both ways? Hug Hoganwood in North Carolina. Sheriff Danny Rogers said deputies initiated a traffic investigation involving the 18-wheeler and they served their own 18 wheels of justice. They determined the 53-foot Hyundai drive van trailer or trailer van drive, if you want to say that reverse as well, was reported stolen locally and was being utilized to transport 18,000 pounds of commercial bathroom paper products. You know, shit backwards and bonkers in our society when people used to be busted with trucks full of cocaine or marijuana and now toilet paper, and this is a huge find. What I wouldn't do to get my hands on 18,000 pounds of toilet paper. Oh, the dreams I could fulfill. And I'm not even talking about going and TPing the neighbor's house. There could be air cooties out there that endanger everyone. I'm just talking about having the security of knowing I've got commercial-grade stuff here in the homestead. Americans are crossing the border into Mexico to buy toilet paper. Who'd have thunk that? Apparently, they're not freaking out as much over there. The Mexican government refuses to shut down society, refuses to take this seriously, and so people aren't freaked out over there. And Americans are crossing the border to get toilet paper and paper towels and all of that. If any one of those people that are going there to stock up are a Trump supporter, oh, you got some splaining to do. The irony of that. Could you imagine? Build a wall, keep them out, but I will go to them for their resources on account of there not yet being a wall. North Korea, firing missiles still? Say what? Excuse me now. Yahoo News reported it, so it's true. North Korea fired what appeared to be two short-range ballistic missiles because even Kim Jong-un's own missile launches are phallically inadequate off their east coast on Saturday. The latest in a series of launches by Pyongyang, the capital of North Korea. As the world struggles with the coronavirus, they're not worried about it over there in North Korea. They claim no cases at all. Maybe there was one case now reported, but they don't report anything accurately. They make shit up. Their leader is this funny, funny man who loves Dennis Rodman and loves Donald Trump, both idiots who don't know what the hell they're talking about in any scenario. South Korea condemned the launches extremely inappropriate considering what the world is dealing with with COVID-19. Urged them to stop immediately. I'm sure they'll stop, South Korea. I'm sure they always listen to what you guys say. When was the last time they ever disobeyed what any other nation said to them? Oh, always, you mean? We got 250,000 infections worldwide, over 11,000 deaths. North Korea is still trying to start war with people, even though they won't. They're just doing it to swing their missile dicks around. Why can't they just chill for a moment? At least Trump got that famed Trump, Un, North Korea, United States peace agreement that demilitarized all of the nuclear weapons over there on the Korean peninsula 
and made us all safer. I'm sorry, none of that happened, and he just elevated the guy like everybody predicted he would, and nothing at all came of it except they fell in love and were dancing and crossed the line together and hugged and did all this great stuff, and fucking jack shit happened from it, and they're still testing missiles. Oh, is that how it worked down? Could he just chill during global pandemic? Because no one even cares right now. For some people, North Korea launching missiles at us would be welcome. You're like, just bring it on already. Do what you're going to do. So, that's my thoughts on that, and I'm sorry for yelling. Dr. Anthony Fauci. By the way, I think I realized who Tony was. Remember last week I said that Trump was trying to blame having disbanded the pandemic office on Tony? Tony, what do you think? Tony? I'm assuming that's Anthony Fauci. Trump's guy, the head of our pandemic response other than Pence who doesn't really know what he's doing ever and isn't like Trump but quieter and creepier and ghostlier he has lately been not even allowed in the briefings with Trump because he famously in a meme that went viral slapped his own face put his palm in his head his head in his palm also all things are backwards to me now days time phraseologies 18 wheels of justice justice wheels 18 of them uh when Trump was saying just medically unsound bullshit. And on a radio show the other day, Fauci, of course, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, said he's working to get the White House coronavirus press conferences to go virtual. He's working to keep Trump fact-based because a lot of things are not true and not at all factual. In this interview with Science Magazine, Fauci says he tells the appropriate people to speak to Trump about those issues to be careful about this and don't say that, but says, quote, I can't jump in front of the microphone and push him down. Okay, he said it. Let's try and get it corrected for the next time. When your lead pandemic guy during a global and national crisis where people are dying has to say, look, I agree with you, but I can't push the president of the United States down and you still support the president, you just have to be the most bonkerific numbnuts you've ever seen in the history of numbnuttery. You have to have a pile of nuts that have gotten so numb, maybe from cold, maybe from inactivity, that you don't even feel anything in that, in that bowl of nuts. I mean, Trump even backed a drug that my parents, who are in the target risk demographic, and God forbid, and let's pray that they stay safe, said to me, no, there's a cure now. Let me use a cure. Trump said there's a cure. This drug they use for malaria called chlorochlorochlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophlorophloroph
It's wonderful living in your own fantasy land, kind of a candy land. Sometimes you slide down a candy cane ladder on a gumdrop made of dreams. But that's, that's where we at. President making up cures to global pandemics that we're all suffering from. And we have to ignore the president of the United States. As hundreds and thousands across the country and world are ignoring the coronavirus risk and gathering on beaches in Florida, of course, because everybody's fucking nuts in Florida. Going to the beach in huge numbers. People were on spring break. This one kid said, the clip went viral, he goes, if I get the corona, I get the corona, can you stop me from partying? Even he has apologized during this last week from viral to grown-up and mature apology, saying, I wasn't taking it seriously enough. I'm so sorry. Everyone should take it seriously. And he has matured faster than the President of the United States, a 19-year-old drunk asshole, much more advanced of a human being, greater trajectory of maturity than the man leading us through the most challenging time ever. And hundreds in Japan gathered to watch the Olympic torch being passed. 500 or so people in Ishinomaki, which is Japanese, for don't gather here during outbreaks. They showed up to watch a torch being lit. Have you not seen it on the news? Do you not know what it looks like? It's a guy carrying a flame. Just picture it's a white supremacist rally or whatever. Running holding a tiki torch. And he touches another tiki torch. You, you, you got to see that in person? That's worth your life? Well, I hope they feel good about it because they went and saw that. And it's not even a real torch uh, lighting because they just canceled the Olympics. First time in human history they have postponed the Olympics to 2021 now. So you went and just saw people playing with fire with no meaning behind it at all. And you deserve it. The lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, an old man himself, says that our grandparents should be willing to die to save the economy for their grandkids. Saying we need to get back to work and saying if people like me, older people, we're willing to risk it. And hopefully we, if we get sick, we get treatment. But if we go, we go. It's a small price to pay for the economy. Speak for yourself, ass face. And I'm trying to use clinical terms that relate to people during this very important time. You're an ass face. Your face looks like an ass, especially when you talk out of it. He tried to make himself seem like a hero. He's like, I'm not saying I'm a hero or I, I'm just doing what needs to be done here. And you're not doing it. And you're the lieutenant governor. You're going to get a test and top-notch medical care if you need it. And others will not. So to anybody who's still not clear as to precisely what the situation here is, let me explain it to you, okay? Let me explain why you can't go outside and why you got to stay quarantined until officials, other than the president, a sentence that still boggles my mind down, says it's okay to do so, is even if you're healthy, even if you're not afraid to get it and think you'll survive getting it, it doesn't show symptoms for one to two weeks. So you may touch someone or something that has the coronavirus. You may get the coronavirus, not know it, touch other people or things, 
then they will get it from touching those people or things. And if you see an older person or that person you now gave it to goes and sees an older person or touches a thing even that an older person then touches, they get the coronavirus and they could die. And if you're familiar with this concept, death is permanent. It's one of the main permanent things. Death and um, permanent markers are two of the most permanent items you can get out there. Dying and, and then certain Sharpies. You can't reverse it. So stay in, not for yourself. Don't say, I'm aware of the risks. Yeah, so you're risking being a murderer if you go out unnecessarily and are not part of an essential service. That's why you got to do it. Don't throw coronavirus parties like people in Kentucky did. People threw a coronavirus party, and now one of the people at that party has coronavirus, and more will probably get it. Rand Paul, first congressman, has coronavirus. Now I think two or three of them have it. He went swimming in the Congress pool the day he was waiting for the result of the test. How much of dicks are these people? Several of these Republican lawmakers now have coronavirus and aren't able to go vote, which might be part of how we just passed a coronavirus stimulus package through the Senate. That will be voted on. There are no senators yet sick with it, so that's not how, but it'll be passed by the House on Friday, hopefully. It was a unanimous vote across party lines. Finally, now that they agreed, the package will, of course, give... It's the biggest stimulus package in, in American history, $2 trillion. It was only $800 billion when the economy crashed in 2008. This is two and a third times bigger than that. And yes, of course, hundreds and hundreds of billions will be going to large corporations to some degree ridiculous because they could weather some storm. To some degree, you got to give them something if they're truly hurting because they are a big engine of the economy. But thankfully, the rest of this bill seems pretty decent. And a lot of it is going to every American that needs it who makes $99,000 or less. They will get uh, a check. You'll get, if you made 75000 or less, you're going to get $1,200 one-time payment for now. Not life-changing by any means, but it's something. If you made seventy-five to ninety-nine thousand, you'll get some amount less than twelve hundred dollars. We don't know what amount. And if you made more than ninety-nine, you don't get jack. But also, if you have filed unemployment benefits, you will get six hundred more dollars per week of unemployment. That's huge. If you actually are unemployed from this, that'll be for up to four months. And also, the money that is going to the big corporations, they cannot use it for stock buybacks, which they have in the past and did in two thousand and eight. So. That was a good point. The Democrats won over the Republicans there that at least the money to some degree, to that degree at least, cannot be abused or misused. Um, That's good news. And our last story before I go into some Twitter answers, before I bring on Ida Rodriguez, who I will talk with about the state of the world, her life and career, her Netflix special, They Ready, presented by Tiffany Haddish. And then we'll do Thunder Round together. took way too big of a sip of water there, and it took me several swallows to put down. Um, our last story, traffic and pollution. Plummeting. Maybe one of the only positives of this global lockdown. U.S. cities that have shut down for coronavirus, the traffic and pollution are plummeting, fallen dramatically over the past week as people are forced to stay home and everyday life has grinded to a halt. Pollution dropping. 
A satellite that detects images in the atmosphere linked to cars and trucks shows huge declines in pollution over major metropolitan areas, including Los Angeles, Seattle, New York, Chicago, Atlanta. In L.A., as businesses and schools have closed this month and drivers are mostly off the roads, air pollution has declined and traffic jams have all but vanished. Preliminary data from the European Space Agency, Sentinel-5P if you're a nerd and you're writing down notes, Satellite shows that atmospheric levels of nitrogen dioxide, which are influenced in large part by car and truck emissions, were considerably lower over L.A. in the first two weeks of March compared to the same period last year. Normally we have some of the highest smog levels in the country in Los Angeles. Which really begs a huge question. Global pandemic. We're all forced to stay home. Pollution dropping rapidly. Is Greta Thunberg behind the coronavirus? Did Greta Thunberg eat that bat in Wuhan, China? Is Greta Thunberg going around vampire style eating bats? Maybe she herself is part bat? Spreading this pandemic to the globe so that we don't steal her childhood. You've stolen it from me. And I will now turn into a bat, fly away, go home to mum and sleep upside down as I think slowly about the way that you have affected my youth and my dreams. If she did, I got to say great. I mean, not great for us, horrible, but great plan, maniacal, diabolical plan. She And it's proving she takes climate change very seriously. I think she went a step too far, but... If it indeed was Greta Thunberg responsible for this, may I make a plea to you, Ms. Thunberg, if we promise to finally start taking climate change seriously, like we all should have been doing a long time ago, if we pledge to get back in the Paris Climate Accords and work on a new agreement that is much more enforceable and much more aggressive standards to get our country, our nation, our planet, our world off of fossil fuels, Stop single-use plastics, get Green New Deals in America and all over the place, and really finally tackle this head-on. Each make sacrifices so we can save the planet. Will you let us outside of our houses again? Will you put the bat back in its cage, in the bat cage? Will you allow us to, 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 to have a life again, to venture out into that great unknown? We beg of you as a planet. Please, Miss Thunberg, just consider it. And we won't let you down this time. And on that note, it's time to check in with the Glebe Squad. The Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the Friends with Benefits. The Glebe Nation, the Glebe Mob, the Glob. Brain Trust, it is time for Twitter answers. I asked y'all, what's the weirdest thing you have done or seen since all of this started? And we got a few interesting answers here. Shorter one today. I only liked a few. At char2901, char-char, as I like to refer to you. Says, taking a Clorox wipe to a plantain and a pack of bacon before putting it in my refrigerator. Very odd thing for sure. And a smart move. I did a market. I wore gloves. I wiped down the entire conveyor belt with Clorox wipes, which was more difficult than I expected because they just kept making more conveyor belt come around every few seconds, and I kept having to 
to Clorox it down. It was like a very depressing global pandemic version of Lucille Ball with the chocolate factory conveyor belt. It just was more and more, and it was too much. But then I got all this food, including lots of chicken that's now gone, and candy that also is now mostly gone. Thanks, Carmel! Just because you're named after a candy flavor doesn't mean you get to hoard the candy like it's a global pandemic. I'll never sleep again. Keep one eye open, making sure you're not escaping to the, to the chocolate closets. I mean, we don't have chocolate closets. No, you already found all the chocolates and candies. But I did not Clorox wipe the food. Carmel did Lysol spray the bags of food, but we did not wipe each individual item down. So our fridge might be full of coronavirus now. I feel like Carmel and I both probably got it, though. I've already lost my sense of smell. If you take my sense of taste, Thunberg, I will find you, and I will say, well done, young lady. Please let us have our lives back. Steve Harvey, at Don't Go Slide Away, says a man in a gas mask came to my grocery store to buy two cases of wine. Sure he did. I'm sure it was strange for you to see that. But at least, poetic justice, man with gas mask, how's he going to drink the wine? He's just going to have to pour it on himself and hope it absorbs through his skin. Will Klein at Bulldog Willie smoked weed on top of a cop car. I mean, that's some end time shit right there. Is it an abandoned cop car? Why was there a cop? How did you have this happen? I asked you for more details. You did not reply in time of recording. And so I can't bring the brain trust more details now, but please don't let us down. We have to hear more of that story next week. At Sarah Smiles 3496 says, Boyfriend and I went to the grocery store. The only pasta in the store was soy sauce flavored ramen. The only waffles were strawberry flavors. Puts new meaning to essentials. Um, Strawberry flavored waffles sounds amazing. So can't sympathize with you on that. Uh, Your only pasta being soy sauce flavored ramen? Sounds terrible. I don't even know why you'd flavor something soy sauce. You just add soy sauce to it. They're aiming for soy sauce flavor? That's tough. And I hope you make it through to see regular pasta once more. At Trismac, Trisha M. says, the weirdest thing I've seen, people still supporting Trump. Amen, sister. I don't understand it for the life of me. And our last one, Marquis Johns at Weak Sauce Radio says, I offered a homeless man a dollar bill and decided, and he, and he decided to yell at me, send it to my cash app, and refused my money. So I'm assuming that's because he didn't want to touch you on account of coronavirus. But how's the homeless guy got cash app? By the way, our podcast is brought to you by cash app. No, it's not. We don't have a sponsor. We've been ad free forever. So all we ask you to do if you've got a few dollars to spare, check out patreon.com slash benglieb, B-E-N-G-L-E-I-B. You know how to spell my name. Don't act like you don't. If you've got a few dollars to, to spend, you've got a $5 a month level, $10 a month level, and it goes up from there. Great perks, great benefits, great things for you and yours to enjoy during this time of isolation. Please check it out if you can. If you can't afford it, all good. Keep enjoying the podcast free of charge. That's why I do it free of charge. You know what I'm saying? Check out my special Neurotic Gangster on whatever it's called on uh, uh, YouTube and Amazon Prime. My brain is slowly being taken by the coronavirus and 
First, it's the smell, and then you lose your ability to think straight or, or sing. Notice I didn't sing today? So I'm so sorry to let everybody down like that. And now it is time to welcome onto the podcast my guest for today. And we're going to play a little transition music and then bring her right on. If you're looking on video via Skype, if you're looking on audio, it's still via Skype. So it's not as good of audio as in person, but it's still pretty good. I think you'll enjoy. Music, take it away. So my guest today, I've already said nice words about her, which is not hard to do with Ida Rodriguez, but um, I want to say some of it to her face, you know, just so she knows how much I love her. Uh, At Funny Ida on Twitter and all the social medias. Um, You might have seen her Netflix special on Tiffany Haddish's They Ready, which she is. She's been grinding for a long time. (coughs) Forgive the cough. (coughs) I might have the corona. We talked about this too. We don't know. I've lost my sense of uh, smell, I told the audience earlier, so that's not ideal. Top 10 finalists on the eighth season of Last Comic Standing, commentator and host on The Young Turks, actress, producer, writer, podcaster. Uh, Please welcome Ida Rodriguez. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I love that you have your antibacterial right on the desk. Of course, of course. (laughs) I'm like, mine is is in plain sight. I'm doing well. Thank you you for having me. Of course. Have you been quarantining? Have you been staying home? Actually, yes. I actually had, I self-quarantined because I I was in uh, Canada for House of Comedy. I was in Edmonton. Great club. I I flew back through Seattle. Oh, shit. So when I got back, um, I think this is my my 14th day. I I, I self-quarantined because I wanted to make sure that I didn't get anybody else sick. Have you been sick? Uh, I, you know what? I have allergies and, you know, I've had, the, I've been symptomatic in terms of having like a, the tingling in my throat. And so you, I don't know, you know, there are degrees to this, right? So yeah. I just felt like I would be fine. And then I just walk, walk around just leaving trails of Corona everywhere and getting other people sick, <laughs> people dying because I was being careless. So I just stayed myself at home. I didn't even do the Young Turks because I didn't want to get anybody else sick. You're anti-leaving trails of death and destruction behind you. That's nice of you. Yeah, you know, like, you don't want to... People who have a conscience, like, I would never want to drink and drive and hit somebody, right? I would never want to... I don't. I would never want somebody to lose their life because of my negligence. I don't think I could live with that. Like, I, yeah. I really... You want someone you know, to lose their life on purpose if it's going to be at your hand. It's got to be you You intended it. Well, I mean, if it was, if it's self-defense, but yeah. I just I don't want anybody to lose their life because of me anyway, but it's but certainly not because I got hit when I moved to L.A. by a woman who was doing her eyeliner while she was driving. Oh, damn. And I was just I was so angry with her because I was like, can you be that selfish? <laughs> so for me, it's just about what does it hurt you to stay at home and and not, you know, put somebody else in danger? Yeah. So Young Turks was, was still doing shows. Are they still doing it from the studio? Oh, not anymore. But so when dumb. I got back, they still were. And um, I, I was there. I was supposed to cover the Biden um, Sanders debate. 
And I, I didn't, I was, I had canceled. I was like, I'm not, cause Anna's mom has a, had a, a kidney um, transplant. So those people are very compromised. So I don't, I was like, I'm not going to go drop off Corona there. That's my, my terminology. <laughs> I'm dropping off Corona everywhere I go. That's very kind of you. So you just brought up several things that make me want to discuss different things. We'll, we'll start local politics and we'll go broader. Uh, you're at the Young Turks. You're one of the hosts. I sometimes do that, but you're like really there all the time. Uh, Cenk Uger, our friend, founder of the Young Turks, ran for California 25 in Katie Hill's seat, the seat that got taken away on account of her threesomes and crazy things that went down and her being exposed and all this stuff. Uh, he got slaughtered in this thing. I know Jenk's going to come on in a few weeks, too, and explain it for himself, but what do you think happened? I was stunned. He got like 5% of the vote. What do you think happened? Um, oh, if I, so I, I think progressive policies are very scary, even in California. I think a lot of people are ill-informed about what being a progressive is. Socialism has been hijacked by the right and been given this um, communistic connotation that, my 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 dad is from Cuba, so I understand what communism is on a very deep level, and the and the trauma you know beyond it. But the, um, in America, they've hijacked. You know, the, people really believe that our econ don't understand that our economy is a mixed economy. That socialism exists, but it only benefits the top. <laughs> so I think Jank was a casualty of that. He's also, um, you know, he's very direct, and he's a man of color. And people see him as aggressive and they see him as angry because, you know, you got to pander sometimes when you're a person of color. You got to you got to soften the blow. And Jenk does not soften the blow. Right. And, and you know this, like you and I can have these honest conversations. Can a man really defend himself against a woman without being calling called the sexist? That's, with with, yeah. with the yeah. way things have been hijacked now, like. There's no you and I can have a conversation right now uh, publicly. And if you say the wrong thing to me or Ill, with not even the uh, malicious intention, you could be very well be a racist or a sexist based on how it's framed. Right. A hundred percent. Just because so what, I say something innocent that gets misinterpreted, like I don't think women should drive or vote. It gets twisted. <laughs> I knew you were gonna. I knew that you were coming in with that one. <laughs> I knew you were right there. I just gave you the end. Yes, but I just indeed. think that's the world that we live in now. It's so. true, though. I mean, I actually, no joke, lost a friend basically because when Jenk announced he was running, I immediately supported him and donated. And I had a friend of mine who started saying, "How dare you? He's this misogynist because of three things he said that were taken out of context from ten years ago." Which what dude hasn't said dumb dude things at some point in their life and try to castigate someone's personality from that? And they were coming at me saying, "A man." Literally, this person said, "A man doesn't even have the right to run for Katie Hill's seat. That should only go to a woman." I'm like, "What? The what? The seat is now permanently female? It makes no sense." Yeah, you know, I just I think um, I I've been I've been the target of a lot of uh, white feminists. Um, specifically, when I talked about Louis, they they wrote articles about me and slates and Jezebel and all that bullshit. And you know, I I personally believe in um, personal responsibility. I don't I, I don't need you to group me in with anybody. I speak for myself, and I don't bite my tongue and I usually mean what I say and if I say something that's not okay I can apologize 
But I, I just feel like it's just it's, it feels like we're having conversations with the children from Lord of the Flies at this point. <laughs> and it's a mass hysteria. It's like kill Piggy. All, what did he say? Then everybody runs over there and then yeah. let's kill Piggy. And then they run over there. So it's, it, you know, I think Jank was, you know, I think Jank was going to feel that as, as liberal as we think California is. And Los Angeles, when you think about the area specifically, when we're talking about Antelope Valley, it's not as as liberal as Los Angeles proper, you know, and Mm. those people, you know, even though there are a lot of people who do love Jenk and and support him, I think that there's a cluster of people in that area who like things the way they are. They don't want to see change. Right. Right. So then let's broaden it out to Bernie and Biden. You were going to cover that debate. What would you have said? I thought it was a fascinating debate. I loved not having an audience there. It seemed a lot more substantive, and you got to really see the two dudes kind of more as leaders instead of as panderer campaigners. Uh, What was your take on it? So, you know, um, I've been staying away from this for a long time because I don't don't want to – I'm not going to make fun of Joe Biden and and because I think he's losing his mind or has dementia. But as a person, a human being, I am concerned about him because I feel like there have been some signs of something going on. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose it. But there is obviously something going on with and it's more than just a stutter. Yeah, so oh, for sure. I, and then I feel like how fucked up it can I curse? Yep. Let's do it right now, system. even if you can't, but you can, luckily. Well, sorry, but how messed up it's is this that they would, in the name of politics, still, you know, exploit this man who obviously has some things going on? I think Bernie is who Bernie says he is. I come under fire a lot because of Bernie. Um, people, a lot of women of color who hate him don't understand why I support him. Why do women and- of color hate him? So there's a divide with him. Um, a lot of them that supported Elizabeth Warren. A lot of people have a problem with Bernie because of Bernie's stand on reparations. Um, and, you know, uh, there are some issues with him with women or, you know, like you don't know what's true. You can only know what's true from a person from having an interaction with them and and, and seeing them when it comes to politicians. You just, you just got to roll the dice and say this person looks like this person does this the most, right? At this point, there is no, we don't know who any of them are. What I do know is that from reading, from footage, from history, the things that I've seen, Bernie is who Bernie says he is and has always been that. And that is closest to what I believe in than anybody else. And every single debate, um, whether you want to make fun of his cadence or not, he's always been consistent in his messaging. There's never, there's never, you can go back and see footage of Joe Biden saying one thing and then go back and pull some other footage with him con- contradicting himself 100%. Totally. I, Bernie's been pretty consistent about who he is, even within his flaws. I, so, I totally think that's fair, and that's why I support Bernie, and I wish that he still had a path, and I hate that the media even says he doesn't have a path because, I mean, we're yeah. in unprecedented times. Any election could change you know, 180 degrees theoretically in the next month or two till any upcoming primaries, but they want to rule Bernie out, so I defend yeah. him. At the same time, 
between you and I and our millions of podcast listeners, we're up to millions now. I'm telling myself, um, I in that debate and just in this whole pandemic time, everybody's on lockdown. I will say that there's something, even though for sure Biden, I I agree. I don't think he's he's cognitively there. I'm saying it. I think it's clear, and you got to call that out when somebody wants to leave the free world. They're trying to just greet you at Walmart. Maybe you let it go, but somebody wants to be the most powerful person on earth. You have to, of course, take all that into account. But I will say that in a time like this, not only do you get the sense people don't want revolution or drastic change, people want shit returned to normal as soon as possible, but also you know that Biden's going to have like the world's most stable team around him. You know, Obama might end up in that administration or as a Supreme Court justice. You're going to have the brightest minds and Bernie's notorious for not getting along with people, not compromising, not knowing how to pass legislation, doesn't have a great track record of getting things done. To what degree does that affect and should that affect people's opinion of who they want to support just simply for that? Because you're, it's great to be ideologically pure. That makes you great as a host, as a, as a writer, as an essayist, but as the person that has to actually go in there and accomplish the things, been in there decades, you haven't gotten it done. Where do we judge that? Well, I mean, shit, that, we could say the same thing about Donald Trump, and he's the president. <laughs> he doesn't get along with people. He doesn't get things accomplished, blah, blah, blah. So let's just be clear. If Joe Biden gets the nomination, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because yeah. I'm not voting for Donald Trump. So that that I'm not one of those people that's going to bite my nose despite my face. But what I will say is, so I, I'm, I come from a very specific point of view. I'm a woman of color. I'm a Latina woman of color. So when people say they want things to get back to normal, normal for them has always been um, a place of um, it's it, it might be normal for white, uh, the average white person in America. But for a person of color, neither of the alternatives are ideal, because even though going back to the time before Donald Trump is when Mike Brown Philando Castile and so on and so forth, people getting murdered, you know, immigration with even under Obama, more more people were deported than True. Donald Trump. So when people say they want to get back to the times of normal, like for me, it's like I want to move forward and away from it all, because I think it's it, neither of the alternatives are great alternatives for me. Right. Um, that being said, you know, Donald Trump has traumatized Americans so much that they're willing to go back to bad because right now, uh, you know, <laughs> mediocre is better than bad. So people would rather have mediocre. And I, I understand that, too. But I, I just really am curious as to, like, white poor people who have been struggling under both administrations as well. Like, what is exactly do you want to go back to just feeling like you're better than black people? <laughs> <laughs> Is that At least they got something, I guess. Yeah. Back to sharecropper days. Like that's, so <laughs> that's like, so when people say they want to get back to normal, I do think we need a revolution. I think that, uh, you know, we have been complacent for so long that these politicians have mounted us in a way. They're so negotiable. They've been getting paid for so long that we are sitting around here cheering them on. And people are really poor people fighting for tax breaks for the rich right. like i feel like we're in the 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 hunger games for real like we really have reached the point of being you know 
I don't know, a confederacy of dunces. <laughs> I think we've been that for a while. And to make it clear, people that are then worried like, oh, no, but I just mean like as far as functioning of government or having a leader who will make me feel comforted. I grant you Bernie is not like Mr. Warm and Cozy, but I assure you he's going to get up there and in a, in an, a broken, overly Jewish accent say, we're going to take care of you. We're going to get it done. You might not yeah. leave the speech like – breathing slower yoga wise but you're gonna get the things you need people are so much more more affected by flash over substance it's been our problem for so long oh yeah and i also think ben to be honest i think there's some anti-semitism in that you know like i think that a lot of white americans see bernie as radical but they see him as this jewish old man and he's gonna bring his jewishness to And and I've heard it in conversations and I've heard people say that, you know, when you see the sexism and you see the racism, you got to be honest about the anti-Semitism as well. And I Mm -hmm. think that there has something to do with, you know, the, 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 you know, like, you know, it's in there. And I just I think people are dishonest about that. Yeah, look, I mean, look, America had three Jewish options this go round. Bernie, Marianne Williamson, and Ben Glebe, and they said no to all three. Yeah. Not cool. And you know what? All three of you uh, were all fighting for the common man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Negotiable, trying to make a better place, and the things that were being said about all three of the Jews are like, you guys are some campy individuals with this idea. It's amazing to me how... Wanting equality and want fighting for the average man is a lofty idea now. Like you're out of your mind. Because, <laughs> I mean, that shit is, you know, it, they made Marion Williamson seem like a complete kook. But I'm like, you know, I listened to Marion. Nelson Mandela quoted Marion Williamson when he was free. Right. That speech was hers, not his. Right. Like people didn't know that, you know. I just think that it's so sad that the indoctrination of people has been is so deep now that they think it's ridiculous that you don't want us to be in debt for the rest of our lives when we graduate from college. Yeah, exactly right. And it's like, don't take my campaign seriously. I'm the one that was in Puerto Rico on the two-year anniversary of Hurricane Maria. You set me up with a friend of yours when we were out yep. there to try to bring attention to the fact that these are American citizens. Why are we ever treating anybody, let alone American citizens, like like second-class human beings? Yeah, that's radical, Ben. What are you doing? <laughs> that's very radical. Thank you for uh, speaking and performing at my campaign launch, too. That meant a lot to me. I believe in you. I believe you. First of all, I think you're funny. I think you are. I think it, it that the leader of our country has to have a sense of humor. For so long, we've made these people these caricatures, um, these serious, you know, unapproachable human beings that right. that doesn't work anymore. You know, I think you're smart. You're informed. I think that you approach things lightheartedly. Everything, you know, Donald Trump has, we all got PTSD, mass hysteria. We got trauma, anxiety. It's constant. And I I don't think that anybody should lead that way. And I really believe that you're informed and you really, you know, just because you're a stand-up comedian doesn't mean that you don't know what you're talking about. And so I I only support the things that I believe in. Uh, I love you. I'm back in the race after those words. Thank you so much. Count me back in. I'm going to take on these guys. Maybe I have an electoral path still. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, I know we only have a few minutes left. I want to cover some other things. So um, tell people. A little, I want to tell people a little bit about your background so you get to understand where Ida comes from, too. Her mother, Puerto Rican, father, Dominican, stepfather, Cuban. You got two kids. You had a, you've had a tough path, too. You were homeless for a while, living out of your car, and that's when you decided to start doing stand-up comedy. How did that shift come, and why in that dire straits did you think comedy was what you had to do? So, I mean, I never, I didn't quit my job. I had a full-time job. And so I, I, it was cathartic, Ben. It was Chris Spencer who told me to go do stand-up. He sent me to the Westwood Brewing Company. Oh, that room uh, was the best, too. To do an open mic. And I started going there at night after work, after putting my kids to bed. And it became like my therapy. It was more, it wasn't about making a living at the time and quitting my job for a dream it just saved my life at that moment, you know? And one thing I, I mean, everybody struggles and I don't like to invalidate other people's struggles because they don't look like mine. Cause I know that people in mansions have struggles, you know, but, um, for me, you know, when people say, Oh, you were homeless. And I was like, ah, a lot of comedians were homeless. You know, I was a grown up. It was my job to get out of that. Like I was, I've never been like a victim. I've always been but comedy was just something that came along during a time where I w- it was so dark for me that it, it brought like a little bit of light. And that was um, it, it just started building on top of itself. And, and it, it finally became something that that, you know, opened doors for me where I could, you know, make a, a decent living. But um, it was just cathartic. It was just something that I needed at the time. And how long ago was that? How long you been grinding? And what has this whole ride been once you stopped being homeless, you got out of the car, started finding success? So it's been 12 years now. Um, I started doing, I, st- I stopped being homeless, I would say, um, maybe a couple of years after I, I started doing stand-up. So I was doing stand-up. It was um, actually the year that I did, uh, last comic standing was when I quit my job, my full-time job. So I had been doing stand up for seven years, working a full-time job. And I just, I didn't, you know, I, I went years without sleeping more than four hours a day. Cause I, I was wow. involved with my kids, taking my daughter to school in the morning, making sure that I was there for swim practice, which happens in the morning going to track practice, doing homework. And so I was, I compromised me, not them. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I, I didn't stop working until 2014. It's 2020. So it's not like, you know, I, I sacrificed my children for this comedy dream. I sacrificed myself. <laughs> that's, in, that's incredible that you just came at that from just as a stress release, something you needed for yourself. And it's now entertaining so many people um, tell me about did from the beginning did your stand up was it always social commentary were you ever sit like sillier in the beginning and just doing jokes for joke's sake or were you always did you always have this strong point of view? So I, I started pretty heavy and I had to lighten it up a little bit. I remember a comedian telling me that I was entirely too heavy and that I that I should stop because it was going to make people depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I did, you know, I did have my hacky jokes. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I remember having this joke. It was like a stock joke about a tampon that was so not who I am. How'd it but go? How'd it go? <laughs> it was a joke. And it's funny because my mom loves this joke, which lets me know she's a hack. But uh, it's a joke about a woman who broke up with her man 
and, you know, that she was involved that, and I, I personalized it. I was like, I had a boyfriend. I lived with him. He loved me so much. You know, he, he moved me in. He bought me clothes. He took care of me. He gave me a blood transfusion because I'm, I'm actually anemic and I have uh, hypoglycemia. And um, I said that um, when we broke up, he asked me to give him the keys to his house back. And then, you know, he told me to give him the car back. And then he was like, give me your clothes back. And then he was like, I gave you blood. And then I threw my tampon at him and I said, I'll pay you in monthly installments. <laughs> First of all, that's funny. <laughs> Second of all, I love how you think that's a light, hacky joke. It still involves a very intense breakup and people moving out and how you stole my life. That's your lightest that you get. <laughs> but it was still hacky, though. Yeah. You could find it on the Internet. But <laughs> I have my, uh, you know, I have my jokes where. What I, I, but I always lived in that space where I wanted to, I wanted to talk about social is- issues, but from the perspective of my life, as opposed to just saying, here's my, you know, climate change joke. But I would rather talk about, you know, how people in my neighborhood would throw styrofoam on the ground and be like, fuck the environment. You know, that to me, that was more, it's always right. been more appealing to speak about social issues through the lens of my the woman the, of color that comes from where I come from, as opposed to just, you know, like Jenna Friedman or people like that that have jokes specifically about climate change. That never really appealed to me. It, it's always through the lens of how I see the world. And that's probably where where I had to come, where I started finding myself. I think through the help of like Roseanne Barr and when I did Last Comic Standing, learning to find uh find the place where I would meet with the both because I, I don't enjoy just talking about social issues just for the sake of social issues right luckily that matches with the times real well though because what everybody's into these days in stand-up is these personal stories and where you come from I'm stuck too much in just telling jokes like I have my joke about climate change and about straws and sea turtles and about this and that and I think it makes it actually impedes my connection with people to some degree I've never wanted to share that much of myself on stage and I've been trying to do more but slowly dipping my foot into it yeah but I think it doesn't I think that that there's a spectrum in comedy right and I think that we need you just as much as we need somebody who's just going to tell us their whole life story um because I I like watching you like when I, I watch you tell jokes and I laugh and it makes me think and it takes me away from the trauma of being kidnapped twice or <laughs> Because sometimes, like, you know, I can watch Richard Pryor and I love watching George Carlin. And, you know, I didn't I didn't when I would listen to George Carlin a lot of times or when I listen to him, I'm listening to his perspective and his take on the world as opposed to his relationship with his daughter. You know, I just think that it's necessary to have it all. You know, like for me, it's important to be able to escape from my world and go because i like to watch comedy i like to watch other comedians i was gonna say that maybe i was gonna say tell that to my to my online follower numbers but it reminded me of your thing you tag all of your posts with i get my likes in person which is i know important things you where'd that come about and then just explain to me like how you balance trying to build your fan base from your live and from talking and versus this game we all play, this this hamster wheel of trying to build this, this social brand for everybody. Well, you know what, what happened was that um, I started getting a lot of notes from people in the business about what I needed to do on uh, social media. 
And I'm just, I, I had to uh, accept the fact that I'm probably not going to be a social media comedian in terms of that's where they come find me. I, and I started taking for granted my live audience because I was chasing that, that online audience and seeing these comedians that have like 3 million followers. And then I, then I started doing research and then I started learning that a lot of the people who have 3 million followers, a great percentage of those followers are under 12 <laughs> and they're watching you because <laughs> they can't go to a comedy club. And it just made me, you know, I, through the Young Turks, a lot of people do come to my shows. I started really understanding the value of those people that actually buy tickets and come see you live. And I was like, wow, they, this is I was so focused on that, that I was taking that for granted. And I just realized that I give my likes in person like they come to my shows. They come see me live. They pay for my shirts. They buy tickets to see me. And there's value in that. And I should not bastardize them for trying to, you know, to try to gain this audience of people who may they not they just they're just there because they it's free and they're there because they're everywhere. It's not an they don't have an allegiance to me or anybody else. They're just right. swimming through the internet trying to for people to make them laugh when the people who come see me in person want me because they like me for who I am and what I have to offer. So it, it just it's a reminder to never forget who keeps me who keeps food on my table, which is really the people. I don't make any money on the internet. The money that I make is from my live performances. I love that. You have always and everything that you say and do is just so clearly you're just unabashedly you. You don't apologize and you just are the most authentic one of the most authentic comedians I've seen. So I love that about you. It's just your pure Ida Rodriguez, your pure, your passion, your view, your perspective, and it's very, it's it's something I, I aspire to. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that because I've always been. You're always one of the people that I've. Uh, I remember bringing you up when um, I did Comedy Juice for the first time in Irvine, and you guys would put me on the shows because I wouldn't get like mainstream shows. They would try to put me like on Chocolate Sundays or. Right. Taco Fridays, whatever they called it. <laughs> but I was just like, I want to just work where where everybody else is. I don't, I'm not, I don't tailor my stand up for anybody. I just people who appreciate stand up appreciate stand up. And you're one of the people that I used to watch because I was like, he is really having a good time because so many comedians look bitter. Like, and <laughs> I always would say, I, 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 whatever it happens, I, I don't want to be a bitter comic. Like, I want to always enjoy this. Like, because remember, comedy started off as my side bitch, you know, like that mistress that I always enjoyed and eventually married, right? I left my <laughs> wife. So I want her to always be, you know, the mistress that, the, that, the miss, my mistress. I want her to be my girlfriend that I like. So um, you are always somebody who looks like you're having a good time. I never see you perform and think to myself, he fucking hates this business. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. Yeah, but there are some people that you look at, even though they may be sharp, they're very good, but you like you could just see that they've had it. You could see that comedy has beat their ass, uh-huh. and I'm like, you ain't never been that to me. You've always been like, I'm like Vince. As long as Ben's still having a good time, I'm still having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, I definitely have a good time up there. And the reason that I 
put you on Comedy Juice those times. If those of you listening who don't know, for some reason, the brand I created of live shows is just because you're funny and you and you're talented, and that's all that matters. I always tried to have just the sharpest eye I could for who I think would be a big star, and tried to give stage time to those people because I know that oftentimes this business does not do a good job of finding and giving air to the people who are different, who have different voices, and have and have something unique to bring to the table it's all the cookie cutter same things and i don't i try to i try to fight that i don't always do great at it but i try my best to fight it thank you yeah no i had i, had, I remember i did a show with you and all the guys from the chelsea handler show at the brea improv and then something happened on that show it was weird like somebody went on stage and said this somebody else and i was like yo the white guys do that shit too <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, Days. It was weird, but it was fun. <laughs> so it's 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 ten oh two. I know you have to run. I I want to know if you happen to have another five minutes. I do. I'm yep. good. Awesome. Okay. So because I want to I want to get you a chance to plug whatever's going on, and then I want to lighten it up and do some thunder round stories with you, some silly stories. So tell us what's going on. Where can they follow you? What, tell us all the things. The funny thing is, they can follow me on at um, funny a i d a on Instagram and Twitter. On Facebook, it's it's my name, Ida Dot Rodriguez, because somebody else stole my or they have the name or whatever. Um, it happens. And what I have going on is, I it's so funny because I closed my deal for my TV show, and then coronavirus. Oh <laughs> no! But we're writing it, so we're we're working on the script. So it's it's as long as this doesn't last eight months, we're good. But um, can you announce what network that is? It's for HBO Max. Amazing. Yeah, it's for HBO Max. And then I also closed the deal with ITV Studios. I'm working on an animated series. So, um, and, you know, I, I, I'm i working so hard, man, to create a programming that just shows Latin people as people as opposed to Latin people. You know, they're people, people who happen to be Latin as opposed to just Latin people. Because I think Latin people push back away from those shows because... They don't want to see themselves as caricatures. Like, you know, like people ask me all the time, what do Latinos do for Christmas? And I'm like, what the fuck do you think we do? <laughs> on fire? Like, we do the same shit you do. We do it in Spanish or we do it in English and we do it with you eat turkey, we eat ham. Like, it's not, that, you know, like I just want them to be. So I'm working on these two shows about just people who happen to be Latino and what the what what just tell stories not so specific to the latin experience because that's inevitable that's just like if you sat there and did a show you know like every episode would be like this is what jewish people do on wednesday this is the jewish people do remember <laughs> this is it, it and for some reason i don't understand why hollywood doesn't get it so it's just been interesting to have this time because as we go back through these drafts I, and I have a, my, my showrunner is one of my showrunners is a white man. And I'm like, yo, like we're not llamas. We're people like we don't do <laughs> not that different. <laughs> we love our grandmothers just like you. You call yours Bubby. I call mine's Wela. It's like we have it's like we, we're not a monolith. Every single one of us don't do the same thing. Some of us are Christian. Some of us are Jewish. Like. So it's just been it's been interesting to write these things because 
it's we got to unpack and deprogram. That right there is the main reason why I've never been that much of an identity comedian. Specific, I mean, a I wasn't really raised that much in it, so that it, it's my perspective. But also, I just tend to historically recoil from things that are trying to find differences more within people. I always just see people as the same, people as people. And so to me, I'm like, I don't think people care about the fact that I grew up Jewish. I want to just talk about from a human perspective everything that I try to tell. But but it does make me less specific. So I think there's that, you know, there's that balance. The The way I try to describe it is that we're all the same. The differences between our cultures is just the flavor. It's not the substance. It's not the essence. Yeah, I think when I started doing stand-up, I did a lot more jokes about being Latin, a Latin woman or being Puerto Rican. I'm very proud to be Puerto Rican, specifically because of my grandmother. My grandmother was everything to me. So she was so proud to be Puerto Rican. And I feel like I hold on to that because I hold on to her that way. But what I learned was like doing those jokes. As I evolve as a comedian, I don't even realize how many times I'll do jokes that don't have anything to do with me being a woman, being a woman of color. It's just me thinking as a person, like wa- walking through the world and the and my experiences as a human being. Those things that I, I perceive that people, other people connect to. And even with like Netflix, I decided, I consciously made a decision to talk about um, my Latin experience because there's a big deficit there's a big void in Netflix with Latino voices, right? It's only George Lopez and Fluffy. And when it comes to women, it's there's even a bigger void. There's Angela Johnson, Christella, and me. And, you know, there's, there's just no representation. So I wanted to talk about my Latin experience, but from the perspective where people could look into my world as opposed to white people do this, Latinos do that. Right. But I... I was also able, I, I also talked about, you know, sexual abuse. I talked about sexism. I talked about, um, you know, domestic violence. I talked about all of those things from the perspective of a Latin woman, as opposed to, you know, this is what Latin Latinos do or whatever. And it was very important for me to show people that Latin women do have a point of view about social issues and political issues because they don't. It, it's not shown in the media. I mean, it took The View 20 years to put a Latin woman on, on that right. show. So they think we're all Catholic. We all love Jesus. And we're all in the corner praying, getting beat by our husbands. And for some reason, we don't have anything to say. So I, I made a conscious decision to say I'm a Latin woman and this is who I am. And this is how I see all of these things from this lens. But I don't ever want to do a show that perpetuates stereotypes about my people. And you packed all of that into like 27 minutes. So if y'all haven't seen the Ida Rodriguez episode of They Ready on Netflix, you got to see it. Highly recommend. Just it's, it's a powerhouse performance. And I, I really dug it. But also just just, you know, just an interesting kind of tie. And I realized as you brought up being proud of being Puerto Rican, obviously that absurdly insulting moment when Trump went down there after Maria and threw paper towels at everybody. Just like, here's all you need. Just dry up this these huge floods. And ironic now how cut to just two years later and what's everybody clamoring for? Toilet paper. 
People are yeah. going into Mexico trying to get paper towels and toilet paper. Show you how we're all the same. Show you how you got to treat everybody exactly the damn same. It all comes down to those necessities. You don't treat one group like they just need paper and other groups as though they have some kind of higher needs. We're all the same. We all need the same toiletries too. I'm tweeting that. Please. I'm going to quote you too because that's actually – that's very, uh, that's actually very true. And that was the other thing I felt like, you know, my Puerto Rico is my grandmother's homeland more than it is mine. Um, it's funny cause when, uh, Donald Trump won, I got a lot of tweets, people saying, guess who's getting deported. And I was like, tell me who, cause I was born in Boston, bitch. Deporting right. <laughs> me too. But you know, like I, the morale boost for the Island, I thought for me that I had a platform and a voice and I wanted to give, something to my people to be proud of and my grandmother's homeland, because you know, when you went to Puerto Rico, that Puerto Rico still hasn't fully healed from that hurricane True, and, you know, and everything else that's happened since. So it's just, it was a moment for me to step up and say, I see you. Yeah. And the biggest thing that they need, I've said it many times on the podcast and everywhere, in addition to obviously they need FEMA to step it up still and need more funding, but they need people just to go visit down there when everything comes back to normal. Tourism needs to step up. It's this hidden gem. It's this beautiful, gorgeous beach paradise we have down there and people don't talk about it. Let's go there. Before we even go to, you know, wherever else, what other country you want to go to, go to Puerto Rico. It's part of our country, and it's amazing, and you'll just see a different side of this country. That's one that I just had a blast while I was even there on this, you know, fact-finding trip and trying to help out a little bit. It was also was just an incredibly enjoyable week. The culture was just a blast. The bars were sick. It was a great time. Yeah, go to Puerto Rico. They're tired of you in Cabo. <laughs> exactly right. So um, let's quickly do a couple of fun stories and lighten this thing up. It's time yeah. for the Thunder Round. All right, Ida Rodriguez. So on the day they closed the bars in Croatia... They decided no more bars as part of lockdown. This whole planet's going through. A record number of people were hospitalized because of alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. <laughs> and New York has declared liquor stores as essential business, and they are exempt from Governor Cuomo's executive order for non-essential workers to stay home. Does this make sense to you? Does it connect? Are you a big drinker? So I'm not a big drinker. But I am a big advocate of people in the service industry, right? And I know that a lot of those people, uh, their livelihood is is depending on us. Um, I also think that even though I'm not a big drinker, in a time of all of the stuff that's going on, some people need a drink. Yeah, <laughs> They just need it. And so who am I to say you shouldn't be able to have a drink? I just, like, I, I've, I'm deciding to stay home because I just... I feel like I'm going to fuck it up. I, I'm only human, so I'm going to get it wrong with the gloves. I'm going to get it wrong. To, I'm going to get it wrong. So I just stay at home to minimize the risk. I love that. But also GameStop has ruled itself essential, the video game store. The CEO Period. sent a letter saying none of them can close. We, we, we help people make their home working experience. And so even though they have not been deemed non, uh, they've not been deemed essential, They've told all their employees to tell any law enforcement that comes by to shut them down that they're essential and show them this letter from the CEO. Do you think gaming essential during this time? Should they stay open and be risking people's lives? 
no, I think all of the businesses that are not essential to our survival as human beings should be closed down. Even though I do think that gaming is something that releases stress for a lot of people, it's available online. And if a lot of the services that we get, even our dinner, we don't go to the restaurant, they sell it to us. You should be able to sell that online. Just like if, if uh, uh, you know, a meal is essential to me. So if, if a video game is essential to somebody for their mental well-being, then they should be able to access that online. Those stores should not be open because anybody who pulls out a letter from their CEO to justify being an essential business is a moron. And that person needs to be at home during this time. Yeah, it's like <laughs> keep playing your games. You don't need new games during the <laughs> pandemic. Play your old games. But talking about food, here's one twist on it. I wonder your, your take on this. A Portland strip club that was forced to close due to quarantining now has their dancers doing food delivery. They have found a way. The Lucky Devil Lounge at 633 Southeast Powell Boulevard, new sponsor for the podcast. Uh, the club was forced to close with Governor Kate Brown's mandate. So what they're doing is they're having their dancers with a security guard escort each time bringing food from their... All-you-can-eat buffet, people are ordering chicken wings, steak bites, and mini corn dogs, and they're calling themselves Boober Eats. You cool with this? Or Hell, <laughs> the last thing I want with my wings is coronavirus ass. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but these dancers are, are have lost all their income, and they're only getting paid that minimum wage to these deliveries, and they're making hundreds a day. So luckily, maybe this stimulus package coming through is going to hook up some of the strippers because gig workers are included, thank God. Well, I mean, I, I don't want them to lose their income. So they could do peep shows online. They can do something else. There where we go. They, yeah, they can do something. Else. I mean, what I'm saying is everybody's outsourcing their stuff and they're doing their stuff through the Internet. Their dancers are no different, right? You could give somebody a virtual lap dance. Do get with Steve Hofstetter, figure out how to do it, <laughs> and you can make money. That you can make a lot more money on Cash App than you get from people in person because you got a whole bunch of people tipping you at the same time. Um, I I'm just unaware. I'm unaware there was porn type stuff on the internet, but it's good to learn that from you. Thank you for educating me. Really. But it's not porn though. It's like the dancing. You could do. You could just do the dances on. You could do virtual. You know, reality lap dances. You could do all of that stuff and make money, not only for the safety of the general public, but for the dancers themselves. Like they don't need to be out there. You know, we're they're always expendable to us because we look we look down on them. They're human beings, and we should think about their safety too. Hundred percent, we do. I just discovered porn thanks to you, and you ripped it away from me. Now all I get is dances. Okay, fine, fair enough. Um, and Ida will be this Sunday. What's that? Can we just say a big shout out to Pornhub, though, yep. who provided New York with those masks and, you know, and, and, and actually stepped up because we like to talk shit about porn people and look down on them. And they're human beings that want to make a living and they're on, they make an honest living. But I just think that that was dope. That was super dope. Granted, all the masks have one hole right in the middle, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> no it's amazing and of course we got to stop looking i think i'm probably the only presidential candidate that ever mentioned the porn industry it's like how is this one of the biggest industries in the world and we never mention it you've never heard a presidential candidate talk about porn workers sex workers why mm -hmm. these are people that all of you are enjoying and, and reaping the benefits of their work yeah i mean uh, bill clinton wouldn't have gotten impeached 
if his ass would have been able to be not not to be so damn restricted and getting blowjobs from a little girl in the White House, if he could have been able to just jack off in peace <laughs> to Stormy Daniels, who was around back then, yep. it would have been all right. Yep, yep. So Pornhub really has helped us through quite a lot of crises, and it could have helped us even back then in the 90s, and we didn't let them. Which yeah. does bring us to our fi- – and, and so Ida Rodriguez will be what our celebrity guest this Sunday on the Social Distancing Social Club with Steve Hofstetter and Chris Bauer. So look at my social medias for that, and you can come watch us talk shit for an hour, see some stand-up, and take calls. But our last story, it's always Florida, Ida, that messes shit up. Always Florida, can't follow rules, sinkholes and bath salts. What's that? That's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. and so a florida couple in the time of social distancing orders were busted for having sex on a sidewalk outside of a florida hospital Anne marie tucker 45 and albert singletary 37 arrested in saint petersburg on charges of trespassing and exposing their sexual organs in full view of passers-by in full view of the hospital her mugshot she has a surgical mask under her chin because she was worried about her getting germs from others but was not worried about her own germs being on the hot pavement why does florida not know how to live as normal people I don't know. That's why I left there. You know, it's funny. <laughs> Monday, my mom called me and told me that her neighbors had a house party uh. and with a bouncy, uh, the bouncy thing in the back for the kids. Oh, no. In the, in, the, in the heart of this, like this is what that day where Italy, I think it was when the day when Italy hit 300 deaths in one day. It was that day. And I was just like, Mom, please don't put that on Facebook. Don't tell we don't need any more Florida stories. I don't know what it is about Florida. Florida and Ohio, they like go back and forth between that kind of stuff. But it's just crazy there. I don't know. That's why I left. I hated that place. It's the penis of America. It looks like a penis. It's dangling down there, and we gotta cut it off. Set it off to sea. <laughs> no, not my mom. <laughs> All right, we can get your mom out first. Okay. Ida, thank you so much for being here. Stay safe, wash your hands, and everybody follow at Funny Ida on the internets. Uh, thank you for having me. I love you, and um, I look forward to the day where you you lead the free world. Oh, that's kind of you. I love you too, my friend. And to all of you listening, until last week, next week, it has been Last Week on Earth. Last Week on Earth. Last Week on Earth.